the first thing that we need to talk about before we get to this, and you're like, I need all the keys because my relationships are falling apart. Um, and hopefully these are helpful to you. But before we get here, we need to realize something about our relationships that will uh, change everything about the way you think about them moving forward. And it happened all the way back in Genesis 3 when the fall happened. When the fall happened and Adam and Eve ate the apple and sin entered into the world, relationships were part of the fall. Which means every single one of us deal with the effects of sin on your relationships. We deal with the effects of the fall in our relationships. It's one of the areas of our life that got tainted by sin. And all of you know this. I don't have to tell you this. You guys have lived long enough to realize like relationships are hard. Dealing with people are hard, right? Dealing with you is hard. You may not think that. Um, But dealing with yourself is hard. Um, And part of that is all going back to the fall when relationships were broken. Because before the fall, we could actually live in perfect community. Because we are created out of the perfect community in what the Trinity did in creating man and woman, right? So there was perfection. You may, we, don't have a, we don't have a gauge for this, right? Because all we know is broken relationship, right? All we know is how sin hurts relationships, how difficult it is. But there was a time before that when Adam and Eve lived in perfect relationship with one another, right? So what we need to realize tonight is that our biggest problem in relationships is actually ourselves. Our biggest problem in relationships is ourselves. Everything we do is filtered through this thought. How is this person, thing, experience going to bring me satisfaction and happiness? You look at every single relationship in your life probably through those lens. How are you going to bring me something? You may not say that because that sounds a little rude, right? Like we're not going to be that blunt with somebody. But if you really think about your relationships, why are you in them? Why do you have relationships with people? Do you want something from them? Are you hoping they give you something? What are those things about why you're in relationships? The biggest problem is often that we are in them. A lot of times we like to put the problem on the other people, right? Well, relationships in my life are a problem because of that other person. We like to shift that blame a lot. You know where that blame shifting started? All the way back in the garden. That perfect community that Adam and Eve have... That was broken. What was the first thing they did? Wasn't me. It was her. Not me. Her. Right? It started all the way back there and it's still happening today all throughout our lives. It's not me. It's them. They're the reason the relationship is not good. It's not me. It's them. If you don't believe me, think about it like this. In the last fight you had with your friend, what was the reason for your frustration and anger? They, 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 you, 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 but I and me never. Or how about this? When you are choosing friends, how do you rank them? 
Because I know everyone in here, as you're looking for friends, you're looking to figure out, do I want to be friends with this person? And some of that's wisdom, and some of that is evil. (laughs) Where you start to rank people in our life, is this person going to heighten my popularity? Are they going to give me something? Again, going back to the initial issue is actually us. That we're looking for something out of every relationship. Are they going to give me popularity? Are they going to make me laugh? Are they going to have a good enough fashion sense to hang out with me? That one may sound vain, but it's true. There are people you will not hang out with because they dress weird. Right? You probably laugh and point fingers at them at your school. You would never be caught dead with them. Are they athletic? My friends need to be athletic. They need to love sports. They need to be able to go out and play basketball. Will they leave me? Will they care about my needs and wants? We love ourselves. We love ourselves. We love ourselves extravagantly, guys. We are really good at loving ourselves, right? I don't think today anyone had to tell you, hey, make sure you think about yourself a little bit today. Okay? It's amazing. We just do that naturally, right? What are my needs today? What are my wants today? Well, I'm going to go find those things for myself, right? We love ourselves really, really well. I think we really access most of our relationships, or not access, but assess most of our relationships. We would find that most of the reasons we are in them are for self-centered reasons, This is going to affect the conversation we have overall about relationships. And hopefully, it opens your eyes to the relationships you're currently in and why you're in them. And what you're expecting from the other person on the other side of that relationship. I want you to hear this loud and clear, though. Because we're going to talk a lot lot about a lot of different things, different relationships, mostly with people. We're not going to necessarily talk about relationship with the Lord, which is first and foremost. So I'm going to say this up front. Your relationship in the Lord with the Lord is the reason why your relationship with people will fail or succeed. Because here's the deal. There's no relationship out there, no matter the variety, degree, depth, intimacy, openness, or love that will ever be able to replace your need for relationship with God. None. Not your spouse one day, not your family, not your closest friend. None of them are going to replace your need for relationship with God. And here's the problem. If you are forcing any of those relationships into the place that God is supposed to be, it's going to cause a problem. That's why I'm saying God has to be the first relationship. And from that, we then have other relationships, right? Because if I start putting expectations on you to meet for me the things that God is supposed to meet for me, how unfair is that of me on you, right? You need to love me unconditionally just like God's supposed to. You need to give me worth and value like God is supposed to. You need to love and care for me like God is supposed to. And that's a weight that we shouldn't have to place on any other person. 
but we do it all the time, right? If we want our relationships in our lives to flourish, we must first have a relationship with God that then overflows to all our other relationships. They will not flourish if we make them about ourselves. Okay. So how do we do that? I think Romans 12.2 is an answer here. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What is the pattern of this world? The pattern of this world is to look at the relationships around me and to take. The pattern of this world is to look at the relationships around me and ask for something out of them that God is supposed to give me first. That's the pattern of this world. That's the expectation to take, to look out for yourself. You know, this word that's floating around a lot like that, oh, that friend's toxic, that friend's toxic, right? Have you ever thought that maybe you're toxic? Because the Bible says that what's inside of us, that sin that we battle, it's toxic. You're part of the issue, right? So, <clears throat> do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So we don't want to conform to that pattern. So what do we do? We get transformed by the renewing of our minds. You and I need to think differently about the relationships that we're in or the relationships that we will be in. Because there's a pattern. And if you're not intentional about it, you will fall into the pattern of this world. And you probably are already a part of it in some way. And it's causing strain, it's causing stress, it's causing strife in your relationships. Now, put this out there. Just because you do everything else that we talked about tonight right does not mean it's going to remove strain, strife, conflict. Right? That's going to be a part of our relationships until the Lord takes us home or he comes back. But there are ways in which we can start renewing our mind that our relationships will be God-glorifying and they will be the way they were designed to be for us. Not in the way that the world would design them for us. Okay. So <clears throat> with that in mind, um, we're going to talk about seven keys to relationships. But before we do this, I want to give a phrase to you. Um, so I, I watched this series by this, this couple that talked to our relationships. I thought it was phenomenal. So I was just like, this is, this is gold. I want to make sure we use this. So they used this phrase to start. They said, in every relationship that you're in, this statement is true. If you have the heart, then you have the person. If you have the heart, <clears throat> then you have the person. Okay, so what do I mean by heart? Some of you may wonder. Right? I'm obviously not talking about your organ that's pumping blood through your body, right? Because if they have that, you're dead. They have your heart, right? You have the person. So, what is the heart? It's the core, it's the center, it's the soul, it's the whole of who you are. Your desires, your affections, your actions. It's the core of who we are. This is true of our horizontal relationships as well as our vertical relationships. So if our heart is hardened, evil, 
self-satisfying, rebellious towards God and his ways, then we have a problem. He has a problem with our whole being, right? So if we're going to talk about God here for a second, the Bible talks all about God taking our heart, right? And making it new. Jeremiah 31 says, the passage we're going through on Sunday mornings, says he takes out a heart of stone and he replaces it with a heart of flesh. Why? Because the heart of stone is not going to glorify him. It's not going to worship him. It's not going to follow him. It is not going to be in relationship with God. We have to have a new heart. God has to give us that. This is why Jeremiah 31 talks about removing our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. He gives us new hearts that are set on him. He gives us the ability and desire to love him with our whole person, all because he grabs our hearts. This concept is true also in our other relationships. Because I'm going to guess right now, the people in your life who have you, have your heart. So when I say have you, what do I mean by that? I mean the people who have the closest, tightest bond with you. They have a piece of your heart, right? So we're going to talk about how do, you, how, do you, how do you gain someone's heart in relationship? How do we do this in a way that's God-glorifying and in the design that God has for us in relationship? So we pursue this so we can engage in the depth and intimacy of relationship as each of us is created to enjoy. We all desire to know and be known by others. Every single person in this room, on the deepest level of who you are, you want to be known. And there are currently things in your life and things in your heart that you're terrified to be known for, but you want to be known for them. Some of the hardest things to deal with in the world. We want to be known and we want to know, but we're all terrified to do either. Terrified. But the way that God has set up relationships is this. This is why I'm saying your relationship with other people has to stem from your relationship with God because your relationship with God tells you this. You are forgiven. You are made new. You are no longer the old person. And what you have that's in here that you see shame and sin and guilt for is forgiven. And we're called out of that to live in what's called the light with one another. Why does he call us in the light? Because he knows each of us at our deepest level wants to be known. But we're terrified to ever be known. To ever go there, to ever ask, to ever share. Why? Because we think we're going to be rejected. We think people won't understand. We think people will think we're weird. And they may in the world. That pattern of the world that we've talked about, they probably will. But here in the family of God, as believers, as we're called to live with one another, it should be a place where we can be known with all the bumps, bruises, warts, and everything. Because God knows it all, and he's called us in community to be known and to know. But as we've already talked about, sin gets in the way of that. When Adam sinned in the garden, one of the effects of that is the brokenness of relationship. We already talked about this. At that moment, things like hatred, strife, envy, jealousy, self-gain, hunger for power, gossip, shame, comparison, 
and more entered into the dynamics of every relationship you're in. You feel even one of those adjectives right now in some of the relationships you're in? Jealousy, envy, strife, hatred, comparison. Probably a lot. And if you didn't feel it today, it's probably coming tomorrow. So where do we go now? We are people who are in love with ourselves. Everything we do is filtered through this thought. How is this person thing experience going to satisfy me, make me happy? Our relationships are no different. We said that at the very beginning. So where do we go now? I believe there can be seven keys to gain back the relationships we desire and have lost in keeping them healthy. All of these things are to get our eyes and thoughts up off of ourselves and onto Christ and loving one another. Christ summarized the law, that Ten Commandments thing, in two statements. Does anyone know what those two statements were that he summarized the laws? I know you do. Someone just needs to speak up. What are the two things he summarized the laws? Love the Lord your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and... Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Two things he called his people to. First, to love him. The second, to love one another. Do you think relationship is important to God? Absolutely. So much so that he said, love one another. Summarize it all up. Love one another. We, as the church, as people who are following Jesus, should be a representation to that pattern of the world that we're not like you. We don't deal with the relationships like you. We do differently. We live by the design that God has given us in his word and how we relate to each other. We are called to love our neighbor, but obviously this is difficult due to that moment that sin has entered the world. So there will be a fight. Understand that for any of you to have a deep, long and healthy relationship, be it friendship, marriage, family, etc. It will be because you fought to deny yourself and pursue the heart of another. I'm going to say that again. If you want a healthy relationship, it will be because you fought to deny yourself and pursue the heart of another. Why do we do this? Because Christ has done it for us and called us and given us the power to do it for others. We do it because Christ did it first for me and for you. So now let's talk about the seven ways um, the first one is love. Seven keys to relationships. The first is love. You may go like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, love, that's a word that's floated around a lot. People say I love you all the time. So I want you to listen to this from John 3.16 about love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you know what the love of God drew him to do? It drew him to give. Which means this love is very different than the love that you and I operate in. Our love typically is about taking What God's love did is he gave. 
He gave his son. There's, there's a difference between two different words, love and infatuation. Anyone heard the term infatuation? Yes. What do you think the difference is between love and infatuation? Any thoughts? Okay, taking one and giving the other. Yeah. What does infatuation mean? We'll just ask that first. Anyone? Okay, an obsession. Any other thoughts? Right, an obsession for something. I just wrote down this statement. I'm going to love you because you fulfill a need for me. I'm infatuated with you like... I'm obsessed in what you can give me. And the problem is is that people put that statement and that feeling and they slap love on it. It's not true. At least how the scripture talks about love. But again, there's a pattern in this world that's telling you that that is love. There's a difference between the two. Again, God loved, so he gave. He didn't take. Love to that end loves without conditions. The other thing about the love of God is that it is self-sacrificing. It denies the needs of myself for the other. I'll give an example of how this can work itself out in a relationship. Um, and... This, this example may be um, uh, not make sense maybe, but um, I think when you're in a dating relationship, one of the things that gets talked about a lot is your physical relationship, right? Your physical relationship in a dating relationship. So with this in mind, we often come to take. We don't come to give. We don't come to self-sacrifice. We come to take, right? And there's a lot of other examples like this. Emotionally, I'm here to take from you. I'm in a season of pain and hurt, and I need you to care for me. I take. I don't give. I don't sacrifice where I am or what I'm doing for you. I take. We want to give love without merit or expectation. That's what scripture would call us to. That's what we were given. Because you realize we are loved in Christ because we're really great people. No. We're loved in Christ because we are enemies, sinners, rebellious people. Without merit. And God pointed at you and said, I'm going to choose to love you regardless. That's love. Not, hey, I'm going to love you as long as you do these things, right? Some of you may be uh, relating to your parents in this way. Mom and dad, I will choose to love you as long as you choose to parent me in the way that I feel like is necessary for you to parent me. There's an expectation. There's merit to it. So the first key to developing deep, meaningful relationships that are God-glorifying is a love that is giving and self-sacrificing. Not a love that's taking, that looks to your own interest, 
We're going to talk about interest here in a second. But I want to try to get you to think about the word love because we throw it around all the time. I love that. I love that. Okay. I know you're, that's just an expression, right? But what does the word really mean when you say it? Some of you have been in situations where you've been in relationships and you've told it to the other person. I love you. What does that mean? Is that love coming from a place of like an infatuation? Or is that coming from a place of I understand what I'm saying when I say I love you? I'm willing to sacrifice, to give, to serve for your better, for your future good at the expense of my own. That's the love that you really want. But often we go for the cheap version. Just someone that will say it, be kind, nice, till they start to take. There's better out there. There's a better love that is out there. It's shown by Christ and hopefully mirrored by his people. Second thing. Faith. Now this, this word may be confusing because you're like, I don't understand how friendship deals with faith. And I would get how you get there. So what I mean by putting the word faith is this. Believing more for someone than they do for themselves. Believing more for someone than they do for themselves. The verse that I pulled for this is Hebrews 3.13. It says this. Exhort one another every day that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed our, we hold our original confidence firm to the end. I'm going to guess that in most of your relationships, this kind of faith is probably not predominant. A believing more for someone than they do for themselves. Do you have friends? Do you have family? Do you have coaches? Do you have teachers who have looked you in the eye and said, I believe in more than where you're at now? They're not there to tear you down. They're not there to tell you how much you've gotten wrong. They're not there to discourage you. But they're keeping your eyes up. And they're helping you look to the future. They're helping you to see what God has in store for you. Who you're becoming in the Lord. They have faith in that for you. In the seasons when you need it. When you need to be reminded that the Lord's doing something. He's got you. He's going to be carrying you. He's going to be changing you. Do you have faith like that for your relationships, the people in your life? Someone seeing you through God's eyes. We want to give our friends, our spouses one day, any relationship we're in, we want to give them courage. We don't want to take that from them. We don't want to discourage them. We want to give them courage. The ability to tell them, we're going to go through this together. The Lord is doing something in you. 
everyone is attracted to someone who's going to believe in them, right? I know you have a name, you have a face, hopefully that you're thinking of right now. Someone that looked you in the eyes one time and, and, and told you to get your eyes up off your current situation and look forward. That said, I have faith in, in what's happening in your life and what the Lord's going to continue to do in your life. And that he has a vision for you and where he's going to take you and use you. And we need that. Because we don't really have relationships right, like that, right? We don't need more people in our life that are going to pull us down, discourage us. We have plenty of that in our life. Instead, we need people who can help us see to the next season. To celebrate the progress that the Lord has do, is doing So the second thing to gain the heart of another is faith. We deepen our care and relationship with another through faith in them, reminding them of who God is and who he's making them to be. So just to pause here to encourage y'all to talk. talk, try, Try to talk like this to each other, right? It may feel weird. It may feel uncomfortable. But... Part of what's happening here is it, it forces us, that, that main problem, that we do a really good job of loving ourselves. We do a really good job of loving ourselves, but we can't seem to break out of that often. We can't seem to throw that off and actually look and see someone else and their, their struggle and their life and what they need. We're blind to it. So we need to see that we're the first problem. And then in order to get these two things and the other um, five that we're going to talk about uh, next week, in order to get those things, we have to realize we're the first problem. We need the Lord to change our heart. We need to be reminded that we can't do this ourselves. There's a pattern in this world. I keep saying it. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That doesn't happen by you trying really hard. That only happens through Jesus. That only happens through the Spirit. Changing us. Transforming our minds. Okay? Alright, like I said, we're going to go through the next five uh, next week. um, And talk a little bit about friendship with them. Because they're all going to be connected to it. Um, With that, let me pray. Father, we... We thank you for relationship. We thank you that you've made us to be people who um, enjoy and desire to be in relationship with each other. And Lord, we admit that it's hard, that we often um, ourselves get in the way, our own sin. And Father, we pray that you would forgive us, show us our own sin in our relationships that we don't continue to shift the blame to others. And Lord, that you would change our hearts, renew our minds, that we might enter into relationships by the design that you have given us, um, and that we would not follow the pattern of this world any longer. We ask all this in your name tonight, Lord. Amen.